often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 455. I'm your host, Josh Albrecht. Once again, inside the Slapbox bunker with only 19 days as the moment I am recording this. Until this podcast moves into its forever home. That's right, we're getting adopted. We're, uh, <laughs> well, forever home until maybe, say, you know. I die or the place gets foreclosed on. But I don't feel like it's going to get foreclosed on. I think I'm going to make it happen. But, uh, of course, getting a townhouse. I believe it's actually considered a townhouse, not a condo. But uh will be getting that in 19 days. And uh, I should have, hopefully, eventually get a really nice setup going on there. And uh, maybe we'll have some more guests on as we'll have stuff set up permanently. And, uh, yeah. Well, uh, it might take a while to get some investments going on to be able to uh, build the studio that I want. But we'll have a permanent place for it. It could, it could get exciting. Could get exciting. That's, uh, I mean, adopting's fun, right? Getting adopted. Is, uh, so, you know, you don't want to be the kid that doesn't get adopted at the end. Although, you know what? Maybe you get become really good at chess and uh, become a chess champion. And uh, get a Netflix show out of it. <laughs> Maybe that'll happen if you don't get adopted. You just end up hanging out with the maintenance guy downstairs. He teaches you how to play chess. You uh, take a bunch of drugs so you can watch the chess pieces move on the ceilings, and 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 so on. And uh, then you're then you get a show called Queen's Gambit on Netflix, and and it's all good. So maybe I don't. Maybe we shouldn't get adopted. Maybe that's a mistake. <laughs> Uh yeah anyway yeah I'm by yeah uh, in 19 days I'll have uh, my my townhouse as uh, I all things as of right now are pointing to I should still be able to close on the 27th move in Memorial Day weekend and uh, I've been I don't you know I don't know that if I mentioned this on the last episode but I was thinking about getting a uh, I, again I don't I don't really know if I'll be able to do this or not if I do it'll be a while but I'm going to get a pool table that turns into a uh, dining table. I think that'll be fun if I have the room for it. And I'm talking a mile a minute. Uh, that sounded kind of funny. But I'm talking really fast because I just drank a way too big of a can of Red Bull. For whatever reason, Walgreens didn't have the small cans. So I had to edit down a big can. Now I'm just fucking the Micro Machines guy from the, the eight, 1980s and 90s when he's just speed talker. And he was also talked for a... Uh, one of the characters on Transformers, the cartoon, I do not recall what his character's name was, but he spoke really fast. It was that character, the fast-talking guy. <laughs> fast-talking robot, what what have you. Uh, it is weird that those robots have sexes. Uh, there's men and women robots. Do Transformers have penises and vaginas? Is this the thing? I mean, there was obviously the one that had women voices were like pink. And stuff. There was only like one or two like women robots, but you know, I I wonder. I mean, they're aliens, sort of. I feel like maybe they 
do fuck. Or maybe not. It would seem appropriate that they would be asexual, but you know, I know I hadn't really thought about it before. <laughs> now it's really messing with my brain. But and I forgot to mention as we move into our forever home, which we've already coined last podcast, Shelly and I were talking. And uh, I believe we've settled on the idea that it's going to be the podcast instead of, of course, you know, like the bunker or the muffin hut or the clitoris is going to be the slap box penthouse. And uh, that should be really exciting. Unfortunately, today we have found out some bad news. Uh, I was on the phone with Shelly earlier and uh, the muffin man. They're playing magic tonight. Um, But... uh, Actress Tawny Katane passed away at uh, 59 years old, and uh, she was. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, a bit younger, you may not know who the hell Tawny Katane is. But in the 80s, she was uh, quite the siren, as uh, she was in. I think all of White Snake's videos. She ended up marrying the lead singer. I think it was the lead singer of White Snake. It was one of the members of that. But she was in the video for, like, Here We Go Again, which I think is their their best song. But uh, she was in at least three of their videos. And uh, she did the splits in Here We Go Again. She had quite the uh, nice legs, was able to do the splits. I can't imagine doing the splits. My nuts hurt just thinking about it. Um, I always kind of wanted to do them, though, after watching, because I was a big Van Damme guy back uh, back when I was a kid, I guess. I was a big Van Damme guy. <laughs> But uh, in uh, watching him do, like, splits and blood sports, it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to do the splits. Yeah, I never achieved that goal. It wasn't a huge goal for me, thing, uh, but uh never really worked at it. Um, I guess I like my genitals too much. Uh, <laughs> don't want to stretch them out. Uh, anyway, I lose uh, place here. Uh, I was just watching some stuff on Bachelor Party, which... If you've listened to this podcast much, you probably already know I have an affinity, a love for early Hanks. Any early Hanks, basically. I mean, fucking Bosom Buddies, his little uh, bit on Family Ties where he played the alcoholic uh, uncle. Um, and, uh, I mean, he was play- he was doing drag on TV. and Fantastic. In the-, in the 80s, in Bosom Buddies. That was good shit. You got the Burbs, uh... Fucking all kinds of great shit like Turner and Hooch. Uh, but Bachelor Party, of course, Tom Hanks was the lead in that. Uh, and I'd forgotten that the American fucking ninja fact of the day. I need to. Be <laughs> this is the fact of the day. Uh, Kelly was uh, uh, over at the Muffin Man's playing magic with them. And. Uh, she talked about, I always do a fact of the day. I was like, when the fuck have I done it? like a fact of the day? But I guess now we're doing fact of the days on the podcast. So fact of the day, if you're unfamiliar with Bachelor Party, or if you have watched it, and maybe you may not realize this, but and we're a kid in the 80s. If you saw the American Ninja classic movies, because, you know, in the 80s, ninjas were fucking huge in movies. For children, at least. I mean, all, like any, I think any, any guy that was a a kid in the 1980s that loved watching movies was probably into ninja flicks. You had American Ninja, 
uh, was was pretty big amongst the kids. And then, like, uh, I mean, fucking Van Damme wasn't really a ninja, but, I mean, he was doing the karate shit, like, all the time. And you had just a lot of big, like, action stars that did, like, martial arts. Of course, uh, the <laughs> the cheesiest one being, uh, Se- you know, Steven Seagal, which he, he's gone completely batshit crazy these days. But it, I want to see these horrible movies he's doing. No, they look so horribly bad that I want to see them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, Michael Dudikoff, the American ninja, was in Bachelor Party. And uh, Tawny Katane, who just passed away, was uh, the uh, lead female in the movie. She plays Tom Hanks's love interest, her his uh, girlfriend, which I guess in the beginning of the film they get... Uh, engaged and and a bachelor party uh ensues in all kinds of craziness and of course she has a bridal shower and uh apparently as i was watching this youtube video about things you didn't know about it not only did they bring up the fact that michael fucking dudikoff american ninja was in bachelor party which again i love me some early hanks and i forgot to mention my favorite early hanks film well, possibly my... It's hard to pick a fucking favorite, but I love Joe vs. the Volcano. It was first flick with Meg Ryan. Um, but... <laughs> great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. Um, the Tom Hanks comedy gold stuff. You know, Bachelor Party is is among those in the pantheon of classic Hanks films. Um, but yeah, there's... Uh, craziness that ensues with fucking the American Ninja. Fucking American Ninja. <laughs> I don't know if I realized that before. I'm sure I knew that at one point that Michael Dudikoff was in it, in the American Ninja. I haven't seen Bachelor Party in a good like 20-something years. Maybe 30 years. I don't know. I was probably a kid still when I watched fucking Bachelor Party the last time, to be honest. My recollection of it is not so good. I watched the trailer before I started recording here. Get a little... Like, I vaguely... Sadly, I, I vaguely remember Bachelor Party. The in the uh, I was watching the scenes where he was talking to uh, Tawny Katane's father, and that seemed kind of familiar. But it was very much the uh, early Hanks just character. I mean, he he's kind of just played him uh, like I think a <laughs> a take on himself is like I feel like a lot of those early Hanks films just this lovable guy, and I I hope that's like Tom Hanks in real life. Um, but apparently one thing that they, I was alluding to there, bachelor party was based on a real bachelor party that took place that most of the film crew were at. It was, uh, was it Robert Israel? Uh, I think that's his name. Uh, the producer, it was his bachelor party, I think. I don't know if I did I get that right Bob Israel yeah I think that's yeah that's who it was Bob Israel uh, Israel uh, had a bachelor party and apparently a lot of the uh, (coughs) the stuff that happened in there was happened in real life Uh, I don't know that they've actually said what things actually 
took place in the real bachelor party, but everybody involved apparently at the bachelor party, which they were all people in the film industry, decided, you know what, this is going to make a great fucking movie. We need to do this. Get me Tom Hanks. Which actually, they weren't going. They were going to go with Paul Reiser before Tom Hanks, which uh, I don't think that would have been quite as good. I don't think uh, Paul Reiser would have been as lovable as Tom Hanks. I mean, that man is the man's the fucking greatest. Even though nowadays the QAnon fucks around are convinced that he's part of you know uh, what drinking the blood of children and stuff. Now I, I think he's involved in that as you know their craziness ensues, which is just fucked up. Leave Tom Hanks out of your fucking conspiracy theories. I'm telling you right now. Just just fucking do it, man. Tom Hanks is... <laughs> I, I, if I ever find out anything true that Tom Hanks did some horrible shit, I don't think my brain will ever... I don't think it can ever come back from that. Like, that is something that I, I couldn't believe. He's... Uh, <laughs> there's just so much love for that early Hanks. Just love that shit. But uh, I've still got Here We Go Again stuck in my head again as I was watching more Tawny Tawny Contain contain, uh, stuff before the podcast. And uh, uh, I do like some White Snake. Their guitar tones in that are actually pretty solid. Listen to that. And speaking of guitar tones, I've been jacked this week as I, I follow one Mr. Adam Jones. The guitarist from Tools also done work behind the scenes in movies back in the day, like Jurassic Park and several other big name movies. And it was, I guess, it was ILM. I think he worked for Industrial Light and Magic. Um, before like Tool hit it big, he was uh, he was working on movies doing creatures and art because the dude's just a fucking love that dude. But uh, and his gets. Uh, the guitar tones and everything, the with that aged silverburst guitar, he's got a he uses a nineteen seventy nine silverburst Gibson Les Paul that looks green because they uh, the nitro finish they used to use with those guitars would turn a greenish hue, and it looks fantastic. I'm I'm a fan of just green, and he also by the way looks like Chewbacca. He's often called Chewbacca these days because the way his hair is. <laughs> in which, you know, May the 4th just happened. As uh, That would made me think of uh, Mr. Chewbacca there. Anyway, um, on his Instagram page, he has announced, now if you are a fan of Tool or Adam Jones and stuff, you probably already know, even if you're not into playing guitar and stuff, he released... This past year, he had released a signature series, Gibson Les Paul Custom Shop, that uh, there was an aged version. Well, I guess both th- there were two versions of it. There was the aged, uh, like, relict one, where it, they gave it, like, the belt uh, buckle uh, rash and stuff on the on the back, where the paint shipped away, and they took off paint on the neck, and, and look, made it look more like his actual guitar that he uses, his main guitar. I'm sure he has multiple guitars, but he always uses a. Uh, he loves the 1979 one, um, and so they they did this, and he they've got uh, the signed ones that are also relict. Initially went for at least ten grand, if not more. Whereas the uh, unaged 
and uh, but they still gave it that that greenish look to the silver burst and the cases. I love the guitar cases. The guitar cases have that color to them as well, with Adam Jones's signature on it as well. And uh, <clears throat> those were going for like six grand or something like that, like. Something like that. I'm not sure what the initial prices were on those guitars. There was only, like, of the signed ones, there was, like, 79 or something like that, whereas the other ones, there was a little over 100. Very limited, and there's lots and lot a fuck ton of Tool fans out there. And just collectors who, probably a lot of people that don't even play guitar that just bought this shit up. It sold out before it was even available. And there was a big thing that, uh... <coughs> A pallet of 13 of those guitars were stolen off of a, I believe there was a truck going to Sweetwater, the music store, to uh, sell them. And they were stolen, like a whole pallet. It was like $100,000 worth of guitars. And they actually, Gibson ended up uh, remaking those guitars for the people that, that purchased them. And so they still got to get their guitars, which was really cool. And if you like guitars, uh, follow uh, Gibson on there, and you find some good stuff. The president, the new president of Gibson, uh, Cesar, he's on Instagram a lot. He plays a lot of uh, Adam Jones riffs and stuff on there, and he's uh, <coughs> he's good to follow on Instagram. But he also, uh, I think he went out and personally when uh, they were replacing those guitars. Anyway. Adam Jones, so th- it was a big thing. These things sold out Im- uh, immediately, and there's you know millions of Tool fans out there, and a lot of you know guitarists and stuff wanted these guitars. But again, very limited run and insanely expensive. Most Tool fans, I would imagine, don't have ten to twenty grand to just throw down on a guitar. So I don't remember what day, but I guess it was early in the week. Mr. Adam Jones released a quick little tease, and he did this originally when he f- had announced that Gibson was doing a signature model guitar, and just like kind of like did like one little picture of like uh, just guitars and Gibson, and insinuating that he was going to have a custom guitar, and then it took like another year or so before they were put out, but he just put out a video where it's. Two cases, two guitar cases. One just a standard Gibson guitar case as Gibson and nothing else on it. And then the other guitar case has uh, Adam Jones 1979 in uh, the same font that they used on the Gibson Custom Shop uh, guitar. And it says Epiphone, (laughs) which is fucking awesome. And it says looking at more prototypes. In the post. That's all. That's all that you get from Adam Jones. He loves to fucking tease people and get the fucking excitement going. Like, he just, he's like a perfect guitar salesman. Like, he, they should just, like, keep doing guitar runs because I'm sure, well, you know, eventually people are going to stop buying <laughs> much if you put too much out there. But Epiphone models generally put out cheaper version of Gibsons. So this is pretty exciting to know that I mean, I saw that. I was like, holy fucking shit. I don't have any money to buy a fucking guitar right now. But I would love... And I, when Adam Jones put out that signature guitar, I was like, holy hell, I don't know how I could ever 
get enough money to buy me and I I can't afford a Gibson in general, but that was like holy hell. You know, I thought about Breaking Bad, you know, which I've been rewatching again lately. Just fun fact. Uh <laughs> didn't I again don't know chemistry though, so I don't think I'm gonna become Walter White of cooking meth, so this option doesn't seem real plausible for me. I don't like the idea of killing people either. It's not real. Uh, you know, I I feel like I'd have some moral issues with it. I don't know that I'd adjust as quickly as Walter White. But with knowing that there's an Epiphone in the uh, in the works, the rank, price range of that, which again, Adam Jones probably won't release any information and get Epiphone and Gibson probably won't say shit until it's like boom, right about to release. Most likely, the price range will be between eight hundred to maybe a little over a thousand. Typically, Epiphone Les Pauls do not go for over a thousand, even the signature models. So it's like, oh, holy shit! I could find a way, <laughs> unless they release it in the next couple of weeks. I could probably find a way to come up with like eight hundred dollars and get me an Adam Jones Les Paul signature. That'll unfortunately have the Epiphone headstock. But that's what my other uh, Les Paul is. It's an Epiphone. It's an Epi. But I've got some really good uh, pickups in that bad boy now. And redone the wiring. The uh, Dark Moon pickups uh, from New York City. Uh, they've got, they provided me with the pots that I had put in there. Which are very good in the uh, pickup switch selector. I mean, that's it's a tight sounding guitar now. Could use a refret job on it but uh overall solid guitar solid guitar i've had it for over 20 years <laughs> it was built in 1998 i got it maybe around 99 2000 something like that and uh I believe i was no there was no other owners got it from musician's friend back in the day semi hollow it's nice but uh and i figured i would never buy another les paul unless it was a gibson and then adam jones came out with me came out and said, you know what, I'm putting out an Epiphone model of my signature, Les Paul. And I've just been watching so many fucking YouTube videos and been really into like trying to learn tool riffs and stuff lately that uh, I really want this Les Paul. I sincerely hope that they do a much more larger run than the Gibson ones did. I imagine they will do more than the Gibson released. But again, I don't know if it's still going to be a limited thing because they know how insanely crazy people have gone over the Gibsons. That a much cheaper model, they're they're going to sell out immediately, if, especially if it's a, a shorter run of these guitars. What I would sincerely hope, though, that it, like they uh, they produce a lot of them. And I hope they do the vintage silver burst look to it to where it's already got that greenishness to it i feel like it's got to i or at least it's a nitro finish that will eventually yellow i don't know that i want to wait 20 years for it to turn like green <laughs> but i would like to see that that age look to the finish it is so nice seeing that i'm just such a a fan of how that looks like the more and more I see that, and the more videos I see of people playing the uh, Adam Jones Les Paul, and it's just oh, 
I, I just uh just gotta get that stuff, man. Um but back to breaking bad. Holy fuck, man. I've been just I've gone I've binged almost the whole series again. It's uh <clears throat> Oh yeah. I'm looking at uh on Gibson's uh page at the Adam Jones as Paul and it's the uh antique silver burst and it is I guess the standard one was was six grand. Where's the Yeah, the other one's like fucking <laughs> I don't know, like ten or thirteen thousand. It's ridiculous. But damn, it is a it's a beautiful guitar. Beautiful guitar. And the tones. One thing though, you want to really nail that Adam Jones tone, you really need to get a diesel amplifier, and those are fucking expensive. <laughs> But damn, they're great. You can get a uh, diesel uh, effects pedal that is much cheaper than the amplifier, but it's still like, I don't know, like 300 350 I think. Maybe it's in the 200 range, but it's several hundred dollars for that, that pedal. And he does a... And it shows, I think he still does a diesel amplifier that splits it off into two signals there. It goes into a diesel and a Marshall, which are kind of Marshall... It's a valve state though, it's not a tube amp. Um but uh but yeah, there's uh it's uh it's expensive to get that Adam that perfect Adam Jones tone. But that guitar that guitar would be fantastic. Is that I'm drooling. Might have a slight erection as I'm looking man, those guitar cases. Those are like the coolest guitar cases I've ever seen. The font, just the font he used alone just looks fantastic. I don't know, I still don't know why the hell he puts the mirror on the headstock. I don't know if there's like a purpose for that. Like I wonder if that's something like when that, because if you go to a tool show, they have a lot of lights and video and stuff, and I wonder if he does that to purposely shine some some light into something, or (laughs) for some reason he just thought it looked cool to have a mirror on there. I wish I could, um, well, you know what? Adam Jones does have a cell phone uh, number on his Instagram page. Maybe I should text him that. I don't know if I'd ever get a reply. Like, what's with the mirror on the headstock, man? <laughs> uh, very curious about that. But the more, man, the more I look at him, like, I just really want that guitar. <laughs> uh, so good, so good. Yeah, there's a used one of the standard one of the Adam Jones, and it's uh over seven grand. They've gone so insanely high. Oh, here's one they're calling for nine nine grand. Uh, <coughs> good lord, that's a, absurd. Not the aged; it's the regular one. Oh, so, oh the the, uh, the the one cool thing I guess about the signed ones. Is on the back of the headstock. They got this really cool. Oh no, this is one of the aged ones or something. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, it got some cool artwork on the back of the headstock. Those things are so so nice though. But yeah, Breaking Bad. I'm back into the Breaking Bad. It's kind of funny. Uh, when I watched like the first episode that Saul Goodman was in. And saw the uh, 
the moment it was I don't know if it was quite the first episode Saul was in but uh there's the episode where Badger's uh on his way to jail and is there the only way to get out of going to jail is to give up Heisenberg and they contact Saul about uh you know getting him out of prison basically and uh, he's just like, oh, just give up Heisenberg. No, whatever. No deal. And uh, they're like, you know, can't do that. Sorry. Then Walton Jesse kidnaps Saul. <laughs> and when he's kidnapped, uh, he starts saying names. Oh, is this about Ignacio? He starts naming off the characters with, that are now are on uh, Better Call Saul. And uh, it's just so funny because I would imagine when they did that scene initially, they're just throwing out names and just craziness without any backstory. I'm sure that uh, they had no backstories, of course. And it was interesting for Better Call Saul. They they took those names that he was throwing out and like gave them gave them life. Uh, it's definitely one thing I noticed when going going back. I guess it's been a while since I watched all the Breaking Bad. I like to every once in a while go back because it, it is my favorite show of all time. And uh, I like to go back and uh, see all of Breaking Bad in its entirety now because I, I like to do the uh, binge watching. It's still never the same as the first showing because I remember when I first watched it, when it first aired, just the uncomfortableness I would feel while watching that, it was so fantastic. I just like this great uncomfortableness and, uh, and yeah, like I just can never get that again. It's, it's kind of sad. And, uh, there was so, there's so many fucking amazing episodes. And, uh, of course, if I'm going to rank them, uh, there's a uh, number one for me, obviously is going to be the final episode. That thing was the greatest episode. Not only the greatest episode of the show, but I think the greatest ending to a series fucking ever. They wrapped it up so nicely. And when they write shows in general, like breaking bad, they, knew what kind of where they wanted to go for it, but you know, it was uh five seasons for that show. And they had they knew the character arc sort of of what they wanted for Walter White. The whole premise of the show, they were gonna take your average Joe guy and watch as he turns into a drug kingpin. That was the whole um deal about the thing. So you knew that in the end he was going to turn into basically a monster. <laughs> and uh, but they didn't know exactly know where it was going to go until the end, and the, I think they really fucking stuck the landing. Um, I'm curious to watch how Dexter does it now on the newer episodes because I thought the way they ended it was shit and horrible and just kind of they were just like trying to wrap it up real quick. I just was not fond of it. So I'm I'm glad to hear that they're bringing that back because I did like a lot of Dexter. And I'd like to see a better ending 
for that. Um, but Breaking Bad, man, they they really stuck the landing. So number one for me is definitely Felina, the last and final episode. And I, f- I fucking love El Camino too. Um, <laughs> the movie they put out, to, so you know what happened to Jesse Pinkman, and uh, that was such a surprise when they put that out. That uh, that was out there at all, and uh, after that, I mean, there's so many good ones. I don't know, like I don't really have numbers wise. I mean, the first episode right out of the gate, that is so fucking good. I mean, he goes in, and you get the crazy eight shit where uh he uh <clears throat> uses the red phosphorus to uh kill uh Emilio and then uh fucks up crazy 8 and then uh, like i guess several episodes later uh and, oh man when Jesse fucking tries to <laughs> use the acid to destroy Emilio's body in the uh in the uh, tub and it falls through the ceiling that's good stuff and when Walt finally kills Crazy 8 but to me like major episodes of good ones are gonna be I think it's the first episode of season 2 when Tuco uh, kidnaps Walt and Jesse and then Jesse shoots him in the gut and uh, Hank ends up taking out Tuco and then from there like that's I'd say like within my top five. Okay, Felina, number one, boom, with a bullet. That's definitely number one. Tuco, somewhere in like say the top five. I'd definitely say like top three. And then the other, I'd say the other one in like the top three, which I think is right in there, is when uh, Tuco's cousins, the twins, come out and uh, attack Hank and the chicken man. Uh, warns him over the phone and uh, that one's uh, I think just called one minute because uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah because he gives him what he you have one minute like two guys are like coming to kill you and uh, yeah that one's uh, that one's fucking amazing and of course you got to go in there that within the top five is when he kills Gus Fring like that episode. Well, I don't know though. I mean, those, I feel like those are like, that's like what four I named off something like that. But then there's that final season. There's so many good episodes in that final season. When Hank finally finds out about that, it pieces together that it's Walt when he's like on the toilet and reading the Walt Whitman poems and he sees Gale's signature to to Walt. I mean that whole se- the train robbing episode. I mean I'm def I'm fine with those being in the top five. Um, the next one up in that like top ones is got to be when Hank uh, is killed. Like that one is fucking crazy, batshit crazy. Those that last season, man. Like every episode, just boom in your face. It's so good. Um, that is definitely high up there. Uh, but there's still other episodes that were really good at the end. Of, I think it's the final episode of season three. And when Jesse has to kill Gail, I mean, that's, that's some crazy shit. Fucking poor Jesse, man. He, <laughs> that guy, 
that guy had it rough. He his character arc, and he gets he's so, he would have been so much better off had he not had been fucking the neighbor in the first episode when Hank goes to bust up the meth lab. Had they just busted Jesse then, like his life probably would have ended up much better. <laughs> Had he just gone to jail for cooking that meth then, you know, he might have been looking at a couple of years. Hell, they might have had him just turn on uh, Crazy 8. Maybe he could have gotten out of jail time altogether. But uh, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, things would have been much better for him in the end. Jane would still be alive, presumably, although maybe she would have just gone back to heroin anyway without Jesse Pinkman in the story. I mean, she was an addict, so maybe it's not all uh, Jesse's thing. The biggest thing that I would say negative towards Breaking Bad, and I always thought it was just like, okay, this is a bit much, is the whole plane thing. I feel like that was almost a jump the shark kind of moment in there as, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, Jane's father was an air traffic controller and went back to work after Jane died. And, uh, <clears throat> it was, uh, he caused the accident that two planes colliding and, you know, <laughs> they keep mentioning it throughout the series afterwards. Uh, and although I did like though, the whole eyeball from the, the teddy bear and you got to see it for what was like since season two, they like, they kept pumping that like you'd see them, take out like uh <laughs> cleaning stuff out of Walt's pool and out of his uh, driveway and shit and you see like the teddy bear and everything so like the, there's something really cool about that teddy bear's eye and they keep just throwing it in there like when the twins are waiting to kill Walt in his uh, bedroom and they the one just picks up the eyeball that's in his luggage there's uh <laughs> there's some cool stuff but it it just seemed unnecessary to have them kill, <laughs> have this major tragedy happen. It seemed a bit, a bit much. And the fly episode, the fly episode drives me crazy. It's just to show you how crazy Walt is going. Like he's going insanely crazy, but it just seems unnecessary to have a whole episode where he's just losing his shit over a fly. <laughs> it when I first watched it, I really did not like that episode. It's not as bad to me now. I can watch it, but I'm like. I'm back to the fly episode now. That's where I'm at in in the binging time uh, at the the episode I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's right at the fly episode. So I was like, "Oh, all right, shit. Maybe I can go back onto some true crime." There, it does look like there's some new good true crime stuff on Netflix. They they definitely do like to hook me up with the good true crime stuff. I know there's one. Uh, I haven't watched them yet, but I know there's one about uh, the son of Sam's. I think it's the plural. As uh, I'm assuming they're talking about because during the summer of Sam, when uh, uh, his the murderer's name eludes me, um, when he was on his killing spree, I believe they're just saying there was other like copycats. They believe and. It's, I guess, talking about David Berkowitz. That's who did it. Um, <laughs> I guess he's still alive. Man, Berkowitz is still alive. 
And according to Men's Health, uh, one day ago, he claims he's still acted alone, but apparently this new de- Netflix doc is, I guess, insinuating that he had other people helping him. Um, <laughs> you're looking at pictures of him now, it's like, that dude ki- killed a bunch of people? <laughs> he's just an old dude now. Old. Got a fat. Well, it looks kind of... You look at him when he did kill people. Like that dude. Dude does look like a murderer. Now, it's just like he just looks like a really old guy. Looks like a guy that just runs like a pizza parlor. But he looks crazy as shit when you look at the the mugshot. But I w- I want to check that one out. There's another one. I think it's, there's a. I believe a new Holocaust one as well. Doc that uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I I need to definitely binge some more true crime stuff. The Breaking Bad, I just wanted to watch it like one more time before I move into the penthouse. <laughs> As uh I just can't wait to wrap that stuff. It's been kind of annoying to deal with like the bank. I can't wait to just be done with that stuff. The closing process is a bit annoying. The bank uh seems like they keep just wanting more stuff that like just seems silly for them to need like they had uh okay what well, I'm getting my mortgage through the bank that I use um US bank and uh <clears throat> so they have access to all of my bank account stuff it's my bank right you would think they have completely access when uh, doing all the stuff for the loan, they knew how much money I had in the bank because they have access to my bank account. <laughs> um, however, uh, they have uh, when you when you're buying the house, you get the uh, you have to set up the earnest money in an escrow um, that can't can't be touched, and it uh, it goes towards your down payment. Uh, I believe you can put a down whatever. You, money uh, amount you want in there but I think it's pretty typical to put it like a thousand dollars and that's what I have in there in the, in the uh, escrows the thousand dollars and uh, it's basically to hold hold the uh, the deal to say like you got money involved in already to uh, make sure before like closing that you've got a deal it's just to say that so uh, both sides <coughs> you know continue on with the deal, whatever, um, until somebody breaks with the agreement, uh, for whatever reasons, like if the inspection doesn't go well, uh, the, the, uh, the buyer can then, you know, back out for whatever reason. And the appraisal doesn't go well, you know, either side can, it can end things. So, I mean, I could still maybe not close on the 27. The bank is probably the only thing that can hold it up. But anyway, what I was going to say is the bank, Again, they have access to my bank account. <laughs> and yet, because of the earnest money, I was required to uh, have a copy of the check that I uh, made out for the earnest money. And again, they it's a check from my bank. I have used, <laughs> used them. So I wrote a check from them. And... It's going through my bank account, so it shows up in my bank account through that bank that it went out, 
And so I had to have a copy of the check and a bank statement showing it came out of my bank account. And yet they can just, they are my bank. They can just look at it. So it's its a little ridiculous. There's like a lot of stuff like that. Like I got to show that. They have to, they can see, I've showed them all, you know, my W-2s, my pay, most recent paycheck stubs. And yet they still have to call my work and get a letter that shows that I'm still employed there. <laughs> it's a bit silly, a bit silly. But there's a lot of just like over and over that. And then I had to do this damn course. And I'm already closing on a on a house, on the, yeah, the townhouse. And yet it's required to get the mortgage through them that I take a uh, this home buyer's course. And at first, I can only find it where you have to pay like $75. But fi- finally, I found it where it was like free. It was like Fannie Mae, uh, I guess put the money up for it or something. I'm not sure how it works, but I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> uh, and I passed it, so I got that done, but it took like two nights. I separated up. It, it, t- it took a little while. I didn't have a whole lot of time to do it, working overtime and all. Um, but uh, it was a bit on the annoying side that I had to uh, do that again. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, so... I, it seemed silly for me to do that, especially since I was already closing on a damn house. It seemed rather unnecessary. I did. I think it is kind of helpful if you don't know. Like, I feel like it would have been better had I done that before <laughs> buying the house. Like, take this course because, like, I've already done most of the shit that's involved in there, except for like the closing date stuff. So at least now I I get more of an idea of what's gonna happen on closing day. So. uh <laughs> I guess in that regard, it's it, it was nice to have, but I definitely know about credit and and such. As uh, I've you know in the same year I've bought a car. Well, I, I guess December actually I bought a car, so I bought it at the end of last year. Um, I I I would hope by now at forty that I know how credit scores work and such. So that part wasn't like a real <coughs> surprise or anything of that nature. Uh. <laughs> but uh but yeah so uh hopefully I, the bank uh just is cool with the uh, the appraisal that's the next thing i believe they've had the appraisal done i don't know that uh they've reported back to the bank on it yet uh it's got i got another over a week yet for the uh, appraisal i guess is due i believe on my timeline um, but let's see. Yeah, appraisal deadline is the twenty-first of May, so I got so I got two weeks yet on that. It's uh not quite two weeks, but yeah, pretty much two weeks. And that will be uh, I think that is the big one that might hold things up because if the house uh, appraises less. Then when I'm paying for it, the bank may decide to pull the plug on it. Seems unlikely that it will, though. It seems unlikely. The way houses are selling right now uh, around here, or in general, houses are just selling for a lot. So I feel pretty confident that we'll uh, we'll have the penthouse up and going. And I'm still, if anybody listening to this is interested in buying self-screening gear, uh, damn it, I still can't get rid of this shit. I had two people that were interested in buying this stuff. Um, 
I I had it listed at two thousand. I have it marked down to like eighteen hundred now, but I I really want at least fifteen hundred out of it. Um, I had two guys that wanted to buy it, and the one guy he was a younger guy with no real experience silk screening, so I was already kind of hesitant about that because I didn't feel like he he knew what he was getting into kind of situation. And whenever I've talked about to people in the past about silk screening, they don't they've never done it. Like they, when they find out how much work is involved and uh, how much to get it going, like they realize, ooh, I don't, you know, I don't think I want to deal with that. Um, so, you know, that was a bit hesitancy anyway. It was, he's a young dude. I don't know how young, but uh, <laughs> he would message me about it, and he said he wanted to buy it, period. And uh, I haven't heard from him in several days. But uh, he was supposed to come out last weekend. I thought it was going to get sold. And he didn't message me till like, last minute to finally say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to make it out and everything. And, like, said Saturday, and then he said Sunday and nothing. And I got aggravated by that. But I had another guy that was going to buy it. He was an older guy that had silkscreen experience. He knew what he was looking at with the stuff, and he was pretty excited about it. He thought I was selling it for a good price, um, which it is. It's a fucking steal for as much stuff I have there. It, it is quite the steal because I spent way more on it than what I'm selling it for. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he uh, once I told him if that guy didn't come out last weekend that I'd give him a shot to come out, at least look at it and decide whether or not he wanted to buy it. And uh, he he'd agreed to like come out and look at it. It sounded like he was gonna buy it. Like I felt pretty confident because it was just like he he lives out in like Owensville or not Owensville, uh, shit, uh, Centralia, Missouri. Yeah, which is uh, an hour forty five minute drive. Pretty far away. He was gonna drive over the truck. So I mean, if he was serious enough to do that, I figured there was a good chance he was gonna buy the stuff. But then as it was getting close to when I thought he was gonna probably come out and do it. <laughs> He uh, messaged me to inform me that he had injured his rotator cuff and uh, that unfortunately, uh, because of that, and he's like 60, he said uh, he was just going to go to like transfer printing, switch to that. Cause, you know, if you're hand pulling silk screening gear, uh, silk screening stuff, it can be a little rough on your shoulders and uh, rotator cuff, all that kind of shit. So, I mean, I can understand you know, during that you're not wanting to to do that but uh unfortunately he said he's out so i'm like fuck <laughs> i was uh so close <laughs> so close to getting it sold it seemed that way and unfortunately when the first guys told me like he wanted to buy it i was just like hell yeah let's get it out and uh so i put it as pending on marketplace and so i wouldn't keep continue getting offers for it and then uh <clears throat> I uh, now I'm kind of like, well, fuck. I I took it off pending, put it back as available, and marked the price down on it. So hopefully somebody else puts up another fucking offer on it. Um, and uh, hopefully soon, man. I'd like to get some more money for the closing costs. The closing costs are the biggest concern for me right now. I'm trying to work as much overtime as possible. That stuff is. You know, I've never bought a house before, so a lot of this is just completely new to me. But it just seems like there's just a lot of hidden 
cost with like the closing cost and what the bank keeps asking for shit. And uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned that uh, some of that might uh, be an issue. Because uh, <coughs> anyway, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I think I'll it's gonna be close, but I should have enough in the bank with what my next like two checks to be able to cover closing costs and all that and the down payment, but <coughs> might be a little rough. Might be a little rough. And then again, I'm I'm looking for that, that pool table. Get that pool table in there. If I feel like there's enough room, but I really need to get some measurements to see if that's even plausible. To have a dining room table that's also a pool table, I feel like it can work um, depending on how close it is to the countertop there in the kitchen. Uh, but I feel like maybe that's that's a thing. And then I'll, I feel like I'm going to have to get a bigger screen TV. Get like a 60, 70 inch, something ridiculous for the uh, for the the living room down there. Get give me a nice couch, a fridge. There's gonna be several things I have to get out of the gate, which is another problem with like why I need cash. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty exciting though. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm not like obscenely excited at the moment, but I feel like it's just because like it's just kind of a like oh when is this shit gonna end? This the whole closing process. I definitely, uh, <clears throat> I feel like when it gets closer to closing day, like when I do like the final walkthrough and stuff, then that's going to get like, ooh, yeah, yeah, finally. I get I get my own bathroom. <laughs> That'll be exciting. I get a one and a half bathroom. So I'll have one bathroom where I can uh, uh, keep it yellow so it can mellow. And I think that'll be the downstairs bathroom. You don't want to shower in the room where it smells of urine all the time. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm going to be flushing it down in the other bathroom, in the one with the, in the uh, upstairs bathroom where it has two sinks as well. So maybe I'll don't like the, how the one faucet's working. I'll, I'll switch over to the other one, you know. And uh, I feel like every once in a while, just, you know, I'm going to shit in the downstairs bathroom. Just kind of mix it up a little bit, you know. I don't want one toilet feeling unused. And I think eventually I want to get a bidet. As uh, I love me some bidets. I, I, maybe it'll save me on toilet paper. Although, you know, could drive up my <laughs> water bill. Uh, I guess depending on how much I squirt my ass. But I feel like it's better for me to just use water than to uh, continue to just use a fuck ton of toilet paper. But the the bathroom situation is one of the most exciting parts for me. And having a garage. The uh, first thing I'm going to have to do when I get in there, I'm going to have to change the oil in my car. So that's that'll be a treat. Unfortunately, in my car, it's a little too low to the ground. You can't just climb under it and, like, drain the oil pan. It's too fucking low, so I have to actually jack it up. Jack it. Jack it up. Uh, to uh, undo the... Uh, screw on the oil pan to drain the oil and to uh, get the uh, oil filter off. So that, that kind of sucks. They have to jack it up, but, uh, I I'll need to get a jack and maybe even some jack stands. And, uh, it's kind of pricey for the oil on the mini Coopers. They take a lot of oil and, uh, you have to use the synthetic oil, but, because using the synthetic oil, synthetic oil lasts way longer. Generally, an oil change lasts a good like six months on those. 
So you only have to do like two a year, you know. So that's that's pretty cool. Once I get the setup, it won't be so bad for the next time, and it'll be a lot easier. And uh, there, I think there's a f- few uh, tools I'll need that are not standard for you. Like uh, I think you might need a a different oil r- filter wrench. Um, I think it's got some weird bolts on it that I'll have to get uh, <laughs> stuff for. So that, uh, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> but again, it's going to be much, I think it'll be much better if I do that myself than uh, taking it somewhere. I feel like I'd, right now I'd probably save money on taking it somewhere to get the oil changed. However, from what I understand, a lot of places don't do well with minis. They don't have the tools to take them uh probably do it and uh, often don't have the right oil and apparently uh, there's like a gasket I think they usually fuck up with and like don't replace and people have uh, a lot of issues when they take it to like a normal mechanic for an oil change and I feel like there's some mechanics around here I could probably trust to do it but it just seems better if I do it myself and become (laughs) adept in it Eventually, I'm going to end up saving labor by doing all the stuff myself. I'm not the most mechanically inclined when it comes to cars. Like, I've uh, doing factory work for the last 20 years, almost 20 years. Uh, I've definitely uh, learned a lot about operating machines, and uh, I'm pretty decent at running machines. But, like, with cars, it's just a matter of have I done it before. I, and a lot of times, I just get frustrated because there's just so much that can go wrong with a car. Then trying to troubleshoot and figure out what exactly is wrong with your car could be a you know a real fucking headache, especially when <laughs> with a Mini Cooper when everything costs a fuck ton of money. But thankfully, the greatest thing about my car is when you want to try to fix something yourself is there are a lot of videos on fixing Mini Coopers. That is definitely a plus. YouTube has a fuck ton of them on my car. So, and I got the. Uh, was the Haynes manual on it now too. So that that's uh that's something. And uh other than, you know, doing that at the the penthouse, uh uh my good friend Toddy, uh Todd, uh he's got uh, a bedroom set that he's he's uh willing to give me. I just gotta find a way out to Florissant to get it. He's actually closing on a house and I believe it's next Wednesday he actually closes on his. Him and uh, the Mrs. Uh, Bethany, they've got uh, they've got a really nice house. They're moving into, and uh, much much nicer than the one I'll be moving into. But mine's mine's pretty nice. Um, I'm not dogging on mine, um, <coughs> but uh, but yeah, he's got a real nice bedroom set. As uh, that's pretty exciting. But again, I'm probably not going to spend much time in the bedroom. I've got plans for uh, there's just going to be there's three bedrooms in the place, but. The one's going to be a bedroom, the bigger one. And then I'm going to have the podcast room. I want to really make that nice. I want to soundproof it a little bit. Potentially, of course, do uh, some voiceover work for side money. Hopefully that pans out. Um, I'll set up a closet in that room. Uh, sound uh, Soundproof that closet, at least. To where I can get some killer uh, recordings in there of me doing voiceover work. And also, maybe hopefully we can do some sketches and stuff for the show. Maybe get finally bring back Leave It to Gein. Um, one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, damn it. It may be 10 years from now, but damn it, we'll do another episode of Leave It to Gein eventually. 
I'll, I got to do at least one more before I, I die. You know, <laughs> it's basically become like a tool album at this point. <laughs> Cause I believe it was like 2012 or maybe it was 2013 when we finally did it. I've, I think it was 2012 when we did the first one. I feel like it was within the first year of the show when we did it. But, uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, the podcast room. And then I want a room for my guitars basically to dick around in there, which I'd probably want to soundproof some stuff in there as well. But I might, I might end up doing something else different with that room and just keep in the podcast room, do the, the guitar stuff as well in there. I'm not sure that's kind of up in the air, but I feel like those, that's pretty much what I'm going to do with those rooms. And, uh, big purchases I really need at the moment are going to be number one fridge, a couch and a washer. Those are things that I have to get. And then, then, you know, stuff like uh, a pool table (laughs) will be on the, on the table and, uh, potentially a bigger screen TV, but at least with the big screen TVs now, man, I was pricing them and for way under, you know, I can get some nice ones like 60, 70 plus for, for less than a grand which is just still boggles my brain because I remember before the flat screen TVs when you'd get like, if you got a 60-inch television, they were fucking massive in the back and they looked so much bigger because the and they were so fucking heavy and it was like three, four grand for those TVs when they had the projector TVs. And seeing when you can get like 70 plus inches for like $800. $900 now, it's like holy shit. But of course, I think number one is definitely the fridge and number two is the couch. After that, you know, if Adam Jones releases that fucking guitar too soon, that might be the next purchase I have to get. (laughs) I do need to get some stuff for the walls. Uh, Another thing. I want to get some, uh, I want to get a lot of canvas, like pictures on canvas. Uh, I want to get some of my travel photos on canvas. I'd like to do that. And then just, uh, just some cool artwork on canvas and canvas it works really good if you want to soundproof stuff as well. So you can actually put insulation inside canvas and make soundproof boards or sound, you know, stuff for soundproofing inside like canvas and it, and it'll, it'll look cool. So also in the podcast room, I also figured, uh, that could also be my setup for doing uh, YouTube videos too. Cause I'd like to do some more of that. Cause I've only recorded one. It was a rather shitty one. Um, that like nobody's watched. <laughs> so I'd like to, and now be able to have like a cool background and stuff for the, uh, the, the YouTube videos. And I might end up doing like having the podcast room and who knows, maybe I'll, I'll loan it out or loan it or rent it out to other people. If they want to do podcasts may or may not do that. And I could also then in the other room, instead of just strictly having it for guitars, but also have a setup for doing YouTube videos. But I feel like the YouTube videos and the podcast room could work together in one. I don't know. It's going to be one of those things. I'm going to not be able to figure that all that out until I get in there. I just, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a long time before I get it all together. Cause it's, it's a money situation really is like, it's it like breaking bad that I've again been binge watching when Jesse, uh, <laughs> pulls that boss move where uh, his parents sell his house that was pretty much left to him from his aunt. They sell it on him to uh, 
and and he <laughs> he has Saul bid on the house for him, and he d- does a uh, cash offer on it that is half of what they're selling it for, and the re- and he gets them and gets it to sell them to him. They of course don't know that they're selling it to their son Jesse Pinkman, but because he, he has the lawyer do it for him, but uh, <laughs> they uh. He gets him because he knew that there was a meth lab in the basement and says, well, it's fraud because you didn't disclose it. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's a total boss move. And I forgot why, <laughs> why I brought that up. <laughs> there was some correlation about the townhouse and, and that. Um, but yeah, anyway, penthouse, 19 days, 19 days. We'll get a forever home. And, uh, that's all I've really got here. As uh, always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.